I'm Kimberly C. Paul. Today we talk with John Wadsworth. He's the founding editor and creative director of a new type of magazine. The magazine, The Art of Dying. How do we become the architect of our own destiny? Throughout two decades of working with the dying, I think I've discovered the secrets to dying well in America. We must learn to build the pathways to our last chapter, to create the blueprints that reflects our individual lives and values. Knowledge is power, and if we desire a death that reflects our life, we must become the designer. John, thank you so much for joining us today. Before we get started uh, talking about your amazing work through your magazine, The Art of Dying, tell me a little bit about how you got fascinated by the subject or even talking about the death and dying conversation. Very, very early on in my life, um, I was confused by the fact that when I was born, I only had one grandparent alive, and most of my friends had four. And that, as a child, is kind of, you ask well, where are my other three grandparents? And that started me with a very, you know, vivid awareness that people leave, that we die, that life doesn't last forever. And, uh, and then when my sole grandparent died, it was, she didn't die until I was in high school, but I remember I was away and my father called me home to, uh, to visit her. And the last time I had seen her, she was robust, healthy. And when I saw her in her hospital bed, she was probably weighed 60 pounds. She was hardly conscious. And I that was a really stark symbol to me of the uh, ephemeral nature of life. And also, it's planted the seed that I knew my grandmother had died in a passive way, not in a way that just waiting to die, just going through the process. And I thought there must be another choice. So when I went to, the, when I went to college, I went to college at UNC in Chapel Hill, and uh, I studied uh, to, uh, Buddhist studies. And um, I spent a year studying one-on-one on Tibetan Book of the Dead. And that really instilled on in me the reality that we do have a choice to participate in our death. You know, and we may not be able to participate through our bodies, but we can participate through our consciousness. And that has been my relationship with death, it, less in terms of my physical mortality, but as my as how consciousness changes and how consciousness absorbs and relates with the with the reality of death. This is a, a really interesting thing that if you don't believe in coincidences. I just ordered that book. And I'm I'm really into uh, and very aware of death and dying. Um, but I I just ordered that book like two days ago, and I'm looking forward to reading it. Someone else that uh, I was talking with um, recommended that book. So I'm, uh, so tell, tell me a little bit about that book that you just mentioned and and why why did it change you? Well, the Tibetan Book of the Dead, it's 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 a it's a manual about dying and uh, ostensibly from a ceremonial standpoint, it, it is read at the bedside of a deceased person. And they, for 49 days, they discuss and they, they read to you, given that your soul is still present, your soul is still attentive uh, and close to your, your physical remains. They read to you what happens 
from a consciousness standpoint in your first 49 days of uh, what they call the Bardo states, which are the after-death states. And they're different stages. And the, the, the person who reads, it's a very you know, honorable, very, very um, sacred position they have in your, in your continuum. But they remind you to, to stay focused on the light and not to be drawn back to the, the lower, the dimmer lights, the, the, the lower frequency energies and that will you know, slowly kind of bring you back into a, uh, a human-centric type of prejudice. So um, uh, the wonderful thing about the Tibetan Book of the Dead, if you read it while you're not dying, if you read it while you're healthy and you're full of life, uh, is it's a manual about day-to-day, moment-to-moment rising and falling, uh, uh, you know, uh, rising and disappearing, living and being born and being, you know, and dying. It's it's a it's 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 a perpetual process that happens every moment, and the Tibetan Book of the Dead kind of uses the the huge process that we are all fixate on, which is the death of our physical body, as kind of a symbolic, um, you might say, a, a macrocosmic example of what happens microcosmically every moment of our lives. So it's. Uh, you know, you, once you read it, once you study it, you never really see change, and you never relate with the uh, the uh, you might say the the transitory nature of human life ever the same. Well, I'm looking forward to it. Um, for the last five years, you have nurtured a website, and it, I, I believe it's deathnells.com. And tell me a little bit about that website. Well, uh, I started Deathnells because I. I've read such a voluminous amount of, of literature and, and everything I could get my hands on about death and dying. And, and um, I would, would extract quotes from the hundreds of books that I've read. And I decided what I do is I do a, I do a posting five days a week of uh, a, a quote from a, of one of the books I've read and something that's been influential for me. And I've, and the title comes from, you know, For Whom the Bell Tolls, you know, the, the John Donne uh, poem. And uh, um, I just felt like I wanted to do, have a site so people could go to. And there's no, it's not like a statistical thing about death and dying. It's not necessarily a fictitious thing, like from a, a you know, a, a, a novel or anything. But it's a, it's a place they can go and they could have actual, you know, kind of, Beyond fundamental, you might say just proven perspectives that that death is not the end. That death is a is a benign process. Death is a a necessary um, stage in our evolution, far, 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 far beyond this human continuum that lasts but a moment. You know. So, so you have created a magazine called The Art of Dying, and tell me a little bit of the evolution and how that idea came to fruition well um again through through nurturing deathnails.com i read so many medical journals so many books that yeah i started to glean what was missing in terms of of people's access to death and dying information you know and you know there's beautiful uh new york times has a beautiful series on the end and and you know beautiful essays by authors, but, but it's always, no one ever talks about the actual process 
from a consciousness standpoint. It's always an, obs- an observer observing someone else's death. Uh, it's, it's very, and, and I wanted to create a magazine that A, didn't fixate on having pictures of people in hospital beds surrounded by nurses or even their families or, you know, I, I didn't want to be institutional in the sense of, you know, this is where we're all going. We're all going to be in a bed. We're all going to, you know, I wanted to be a magazine that people read while they were again, vibrant, while they were alive, while, while, um, you know, even, even while they're dying so that, and know that they're not, you know, there's nothing wrong in seeing death as something that's, that's light instead of dark, something that's, that's, um, you know, life enhancing instead of life ending. And uh, like one of the one of the stories in the present issue of uh, Art of Dying is uh, a conversation with a man named Harry North, and uh, Harry's dying of prostate cancer, and I and it's my goal to include at least one, hopefully more uh, features with people who are actually dying in the magazine, and to to see them as still relevant people is to see them as not people that have been marginalized because they're in the twilight of their incarnation. And Harry is, was the perfect person to begin this because, you know, he talks about how the, the proximity of death has enhanced his creativity. It has enhanced his perception of life of other people. And it's given him a really wry and very humorous, uh, a new perspective of, uh, of his own life and his own personality and uh, he's he's actually enjoying it you know and and of course like everyone it's a cliche that you don't know what you have until you lose it or you're losing it uh, Harry isn't regretful about what he hasn't done but he does feel like if people were more aware that of this death proximity and, and had that type of uh, friendship with death and friendship with with mortality and and the fact that really it could end any moment, um, then you know their lives would be as equally as enhanced and as invigorated by death as his is. So, you know, a lot of people think you know death is black and white. Right. Um, I I say it's totally colorful because it really is about someone's entire life. And we when people are diagnosed with a chronic illness or something that is going to shorten their life or make their life a little bit more, I guess, closer to that time frame of end of life, we, we lose the fact that they were a person before their diagnosis. And, and I, I try to embrace the entire person. But in the healthcare world, we tend to be like, oh, that's Mr. Smith with um, prostate cancer, and not realize that Mr. Smith has lived however many years and has not always um, been defined by his diagnosis. First of all, I've seen the magazine. It is beautiful, absolutely beautiful. And what stirred me as I turned the pages is it wasn't scary. And a lot of people think end of life is scary. And this magazine is explosive with photographs of individuals that are near death, but other individuals that are trying to really pave the way and change how we look at end of life. Um, So tell me, in what, November 2016 was your first edition? 
And it included a friend of ours uh, that that we know. So tell me a little bit about that first edition. How did you find these people? Through again, through my um, nurturing death notes. You know, it, it, it's a daily it's a daily exploration of what's out there in terms of new books, new artists, uh, you know, undiscovered books, undiscovered artists, and uh, so it's it's you know when you know what it's like, Kimberly. When when your energy is focused in a direction, life you attract things from life, you know, it's, it's, it, it, you know, you don't have to really do anything to search too hard because you're open. That's what you're attracting and life, life responds. So, um, so I've had just a remarkable, uh, serendipitous relationship with, with finding people, finding the right book, finding the, the right artist who's as, as Claudia uh, Bichon, that who's the cover artist and, and, gave that remarkable presentation in Wilmington where we met. Um, and everyone, what's, what's really beautiful, one of the things that's beautiful about this is that everyone I meet who is, you know, death aware, you know, they, they, there's an immediate affinity. You know, there's, there's no ego involved. There's no, because everyone knows that death means the death of an ego. So I think that immediately relaxes the uh, egotistical type of, of a uh, play that people have when they they meet in other contexts, and uh, you know it's a disarming way to meet. It's a it's a very uh, open and vulnerable way to meet. So it you know it's it's you know I mean I, I I'm just my whole life has been enhanced again like Harry's by death, even though I'm not actively dying. But but the community, the death positive, the death centric community, death aware community. Is is just very responsive to to meeting people and to and to helping one another. What is your goals for this magazine? I mean, how you know what are what is some of the things that you're hoping that happen because of this magazine? Well, I'm hoping to uh, to be able to. It, it's online and and I'm printing copies, you know, as I can. It's very expensive to print, um, but I'm hoping to have. My goal is to have a printed magazine that's distributed and and also to uh, include more people that are not even in the the death community, you know, to talk about what their view on death. Like, I don't know if you ever heard of a woman named Iris Apfel. I haven't. She's a fashion icon. If you Googled her, she's everywhere. She's 94 years old. She's uh, just, uh, there was just a documentary done with Albert Maisel from the Maisel brothers. His last movie was about Iris. Uh, she's just, uh, she has a Mac makeup line. She's on the cover of m- numerous magazines. All, I mean, Iris Apple, A-P-F-E-L. And uh, so Iris is going to be on the cover of my next issue. And Iris is 94 and, you know, is very, very, you know, it's wry and, and, extremely wise and and she's going to give a perspective that you know is well why even think about it you know it's going to happen it's going to happen when it happens but it's like you know i I want the magazine to be about everyone's perspective i don't want anyone to think that oh my god you know through i've lived for 60 years and this is my relationship with death and it's wrong i don't, don't want anyone to think that you can have a wrong death even if they decide to go to a hospital and to be tied up in tubes and on a respirator, I don't want them to think it's wrong or that they read an art of dying that I'm doing it the wrong way. Because I, I want to have people in it 
that it, there's their choice. I want to be people that want to stay alive and stay in their bodies as long as they can, no matter what state of consciousness they're in. There's, you know, and, and, and that attitude was really reflected in my first interview with, with, with Koshin Pally, who is the head of the, uh, or the co-head of the New York Zen Center for Contemplative Care. And he's, he does a lot of stuff with uh, CBS Sunday Morning, too. I, I, he's done a couple of segments on there. Um, really interesting. And I believe, was it Time, was it New York Times that did an article about his friend that was dying at home? I'm not really, I, I'm not really sure, but it, I, he, it, featured, it featured a friend of him as he walked that path with um, with him, and it was amazing. Yeah, well, he, he, it, and he was my first interview, and and uh, and he again, I didn't even have a magazine, and he believed in it. Wow! And his conversation was, you know, it, it was so so enlightening, and I'm so glad that he was the first interview I had because he spoke about like a woman. One of the stories he told that was, I think, very striking was a woman had who was, you know our age, who had been her, her parents' caretakers, take her. Uh, her parents had one out, uh, had Alzheimer's, one had Parkinson's. And it was a very life-absorbent attention that she had that took her attention away from her life, her family, her children. And she she didn't regret it, but it was, you know, it was, it was a, definitely a, a labor of love. And anyway, when her parents died, she felt a euphoria she would not that they had died, but but she had her life back. You know, she had done everything. Her parents died the best way they could die. She felt good about that. And then a month later, she's diagnosed with stage four cancer. And she was furious. Like Koshin Pally said, you know, she was just, just, you know, people in the hospital were afraid of her because she was so angry. And they, she wasn't angry at anyone, but just at her circumstance. And he said there was an unbelievably potent beauty in her anger and her sense of being able to release what she couldn't release for years and years and years. And she died, he said, virtually, you know, with, you know, hands clenched, you know, shaking in a God saying, why me? But he said that was one of the most beautiful deaths he's seen. So it's like, if, if, and if you can see that as a beautiful death, and if you can feel like, well, God damn it, you know, I am angry, and I'm going to express my angry anger before I depart this world, then that's a beautiful thing. And so Art of Dying, I want it to be, you know, for everybody, you know, and I don't want anyone to think that, that there's a wrong way to die or there's a wrong way to identify with themselves, you know. You know, the funny thing with my experience, especially with individuals that are facing a, an imminent death, a, a death that is close, is they really they, for some reason, have this clearer vision of life. And I'm taking those life lessons that they've talked about, whether it's regret or whether it's a well-lived life, and they're teaching me a simplistic way to live. And it's eye-opening that material things, it's nothing about that but about connection, and and I think when you reference the individuals in working with death and dying, even artists like Claudia and yourself, it's it's that we I'm aware that connection is the biggest reason why I'm sitting here is 
connecting to individuals. And, and I believe that when we cross paths, you're either a teacher or you're uh, someone that's going to take me in a whole new direction, like a, um, a guide. Um, and so it's, I think it's really fascinating the response even that I've had with on the edge of launching or have launched this podcast, Death and Dying and, and trying or, you know, Death by Design, trying to look at a different way um, and l- allow death to be an experience and not just a destination because we're all on it. We're so on it. Um, so tell me, what? how do individuals find you in this amazing magazine? Is it cost something? Right? You said it was online. Or, or how are you supporting um, this magazine? Do you need individuals who are in this injury, industry to help support your beautiful work of art? Um, and also, your magazine is, I feel like, like a huge, beautiful educational piece um, that you're interviewing individuals that um, that sometimes people, normal people like myself and my neighbors, they're not going to be exposed to or even aware of. So, how do we find you? Well, it's uh, one thing. It's, it's it's I've been in uh, a publishing house of one, so you know I've I've funded it. I've I've done everything. Up, I did hire a really really good magazine designer. Uh, but just it's really just been the two of us, and uh, so of course I'm always looking for support. Uh, the support I've received immediately, which to me is the best support, are people wanting to be in the magazine and people interested in it and sharing it with others. So there's a until I get my Art of Dying magazine dot com site up, which is going to be a really robust enhancement of the magazine. Which is coming soon, correct? Yes, yes, definitely. But the magazine is available online for free at artofdying.net. You know, everyone can see it there. You know, but but just to reference what you just said about death being an experience and not not treating it or relating with it as an experience and not a destination or an endpoint anyway. I, I think that's really one of the essential uh, uh, goals of Art of Dying as well is to you know, inspire people to make it an experience, you know, and one that they can, they really have, they have the right and they have the, just, they have the inherent relationship with death and life to to make it their own experience and to be inspirational to others. Like I was speaking with a man in Dallas who had read the magazine and he wanted to meet and, uh, and he was saying how important the magazine, after reading the magazine, he said, I felt really, that it's important for me to to make sure that my death, in his words, doesn't creep other people out. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know? And, and you know, and, and he said, you know, I, I thought that was, I mean, you know, saying telling it like it is, right? You know, and, and he said, you know, I want my grandchildren stuff that when I die, I want them to kind of be a part of it somehow. And he said, this magazine is kind of inspiring me to kind of think differently. You know, and uh, that's what I want people to think differently. And and one more thing is that there's a there's a woman who just wrote a book, Carrie Egan, who wrote a book called. Oh on, yeah, I just finished reading that. On it's called On Living. On Living, and uh, there was a quote that that I didn't put on death knells because it really doesn't resonate on death knells, but it's it was a very haunting quote for me. And it was it was she said that when she started working in a hospital hospice, what she wasn't prepared for 
was that everyone dies broken. And she put a dash and she said, everyone. And that just like slammed me into like a ton of bricks. And so if there, immediately that was another, I put that on my list for goals for Art of Dying is to, to probably, you know, soften that reality that, you know, I don't think everyone has to die broken. I, I agree with you. I, I do. Uh, and, you know, even I, I was talking to a palliative care physician who's out in Iowa doing some amazing things out there. And, and he really challenged me this week on, on how to look at death. He goes, you know, death is a moment. So, you know, your book really should be, you, you know, your podcast should be like life by design, because what it is, is that death is just that one brief moment. And really, what we're trying to say is, how do you live well, in order to die well? Yeah, well put, well put. So right now, again, artofdying.net, people can find your magazine. Do you accept advertisers or supporters in the magazine? Yes. So what is your email address if somebody wants to reach out to you and support your magazine? Uh, John at artofdyingmagazine.com. Well, and I hope people go and see this magazine. It is absolutely beautiful. And I will say touche to taking a leap of faith and creating a magazine that is beautiful and what tends to seem to be a hard and controversial subject, what you have made it into a light and an engaging conversation with some of the individuals that are, are in this magazine. And John, I just want to say thank you for your passion, for you wanting to change how people face end of life because and normalize this whole death and dying conversation. Well, thank you. And I thank you so much for your work as well. Thanks, John. And look, let's keep in touch. And if there's anything that I can do to help support your beautiful magazine, you've got my number. Uh, Thanks so much, Kimberly. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for joining us today. And remember, you're the designer.